The book of the prophet Amos that we heard as our first reading today, so this is the sixth chapter of the book of the prophet Amos, it's a rather short book. It's only nine chapters altogether. And Amos is an interesting prophet. At the time, a prophet was kind of one of those jobs that's usually kind of handed down, like my dad was a prophet, his dad was a prophet, and there were like prophets you know, of the kingdom, of the temple, and guys who were just sort of on staff. Well, Amos is a unique one. <coughs> Excuse me. He was called from his work as a shepherd and dresser of sycamore trees to go to the people and challenge them, to go and get them to stop being complacent. And the way that the book begins is he has these short little woes and warnings for all of the kingdoms around the chosen people. And each one of them is like two to three verses. So he's saying like, for three crimes and four of Damascus, you know, I will not revoke my word because of like different things that they've done, setting fire to the house of Hazael. Um, things that Philistia did, Tyre, Edom, Ammon, Moab. So like in these first two chapters, it's like these little two to three verse little warnings about all these countries around Israel. And the thing is, it's almost as though the chosen people can kind of get lulled into this sense that here's this prophet saying what everybody else is doing wrong. And they can start to go, yeah, they're terrible. You're right. It's really bad out there. But then <laughs> he saves the best for last. When he gets to Judah and finally Israel, his own people, the chosen people, it's no longer just these little two to three verse warnings. It's this like 10 verse rant and really continues on through the whole rest of the book, warning the people about the fact they need to knock it off and quit being complacent. We get to this woe section in chapter six today where he's talking to the folks who live Mount Zion in Jerusalem. And what are they doing? They're lying on beds of ivory. And I love this too drinking wine from bowls. And apparently, you know, just kind of reading the commentary, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's not like, oh, the custom used to be you get out a bowl and drink. No, I mean, literally, it's like they're drinking wine from bowls. Can you imagine that now? Like, hey, I like a beer too. But I mean, to have like, you know, a ginormous stein all the time, like every day, it's a problem. And the thing is, I think we can get into this trap all the time, especially with our news source and everything else, to always see the problems out there. Now, we don't have to deny the fact that there are problems out there, right? But at the same time, from the example of the prophet Amos, we really need to resolve, reserve the you know, most, I don't want to say biting criticism, but the light that goes to the source of things for ourselves to make sure that we're looking at what we're actually doing and Amos gives us a good example of that, which of course carries on to the gospel today. Although to do that, I'd like to go from essentially focusing on the beginning of the book of the prophet Amos to the very end of the Beatles catalog. You know, at the very end of Abbey Road, the very last thing that they sing is, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Now, I don't agree with everything that the Beatles sang, however... That's a good way to end all of your music, right? I mean, because it's true. And we see that in what our Lord is saying is he, just like the prophet Amos, gives a really strong parable today and warns us not to fall into complacency, into indifference, to fall into this trap of focusing on things other than, frankly, love of him and love of our neighbor. Because as you look at this rich man, he's just like the people, laying on beds of ivory, drinking wine from bowls, just being totally complacent and indifferent. 
people. There's suffering and problems going on around them. And you know, I mean, our Lord created everything, saw that it was very good. It's not as though he tells us, okay, get rid of all of your money, go live in a ditch until you die. No. I mean, there are wonderful and good things. However, what is our life ultimately about? Hopefully, it's about growing in love ourselves, loving our neighbors, loving them and helping them to grow as we grow, as we move along. And the problem is, is if we don't do that, if our life is merely about comfort, right? It's always going to be that way, even after the grave. When you look at Lazarus, in, I'm sorry, when you look at the rich man in this parable, notice the fact that when he calls out to Father Abraham, right? It's not as though, hey, I'm happy Lazarus's problems have finally gone away. No. He doesn't even say, hey, can you make me maybe come up there with you? No. What does he say? He says, send Lazarus, which it's interesting, by the way, that he even knows Lazarus's name. He's the first one within the story to actually speak it. So even though Lazarus is lying there with sores and everything, he knows the guy's name but continues to step over him. And what does he do from the netherworld? Father Abraham, send him down here. I need a little bit of comfort. I do also find it funny that he doesn't say that he might give me a drink of water, but that he might dip his finger into the water and cool my tongue. I mean, it's still all about him. And this is what our Lord is warning us against. If your life is about nothing but you, if it's just about your own cold comfort, it's going to stay that way into eternity. You're not going to be happy. You're never going to be totally satisfied. And therein comes the freedom that comes from self-sacrificing love. That's why St. Paul can tell us in his letter to Timothy what to pursue. Righteousness, devotion, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Why? Because those speak into eternity. Those last. Those ultimately give us hope and strength. And the important thing is, is that we don't let ourselves off the hook. I know there's always this sort of temptation to be like, well, you know, I'm a good person. We don't want to do that. Why? Because, okay, yeah, you may be a good person, but you want to be better. You want to make sure that you're not falling into complacency. That Okay, you look at the rich man. He's not actively out there doing bad things. It's like the person who says, well, I'm a lot better than Hitler. Good for you, but we want to be a lot better than just that. We don't want to just be about our own comfort that in the end doesn't really satisfy, but rather about love that eternally endures. To use just one other quote that's from a band a little bit more recent than the Beatles, the Lumineers, who said the opposite of love is indifference. It's not hatred. You know, it's this cold comfort of just being focused on ourselves. And our Lord tells us a pretty tough parable today to hopefully shake us out of any indifference we might find ourselves in. I mean, are there scraps at your table that you're just throwing away that could easily be given to others? Are there parts of your time that you're spending on worthless entertainment that could be spent building people up? I mean, think about next week. We have our life chain. We get to stand out there and stand up against something that so many are just indifferent about. Calling people to see the fact that life is good. That it's not just about comfort. It's about self-sacrificing love. And it's important to look at our own lives and say, Lord, how am I living up to this? To look at the prophet Amos as an example. Yeah, are there terrible things going on out there? There sure are. But at the end of the day, really, 
you need to look at yourself and ask yourself the question, am I living up to the vocation that our Lord has asked me to? Am I living up to my baptismal call to be priest, prophet, and king? Am I striving to grow in love? Because the Beatles are right. In the end, the love you make is equal to the love you take. With the help of our Lord and all of the saints, may we make as much love as possible that we might live with him in that love forever. I recommend take the time today to read through this parable again and just ask yourself the question, in what way am I maybe living sumptuously every day? In what way can I share more and more? In what way do I need to be challenged to grow in that love? Because ultimately, that's the sort of treasure that lasts forever. The ivory couches, the bowls, and I'll even say it, of craft beer, because that's what I care more about than wine. Those will eventually pass away. But the love of our brothers and sisters in Christ, the love of God, that's a treasure that lasts forever. Make sure that's the one you're after, because that's the one that eternally endures. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.